If you were to go to the office across the parking lot and walk in and look at our bulletin board, we have all kinds of different things on our bulletin board. There's a calendar that has several events written all over it, several events that have been canceled and have white out, put all over them, several. Um, you would see different pictures, business cards for different vendors. You would see the budget. You would see uh, attendance charts. Um, you would see all kinds of different things on this bulletin board. And there's one tiny little thing that you might miss. It's a little card. And on this card is a phrase. It is a powerful little phrase. It's almost poetic. It's one of those things that when you read it, you think to yourself, I wish I had thought of that. That's incredible. This phrase was inspired by today's story of faith. And we've been talking about stories of faith here on Sunday mornings all summer long. Great stories of faith, some not so great stories of little faith. We've talked about people like Joshua and Abraham. We talked about David slaying the giant Goliath. We've talked about Peter walking on the water and how he displayed great faith and, and got out of the boat and went on the water and then he lost his faith and began to sink and Jesus caught him immediately. We've talked about great stories of faith. We've talked about not so great stories of faith. And today is no different. We're talking about a story of faith and we're talking about someone who was desperate. How many of you have ever felt desperate? How many of you feel desperate right now? What am I going to do? We're talking about having faith when you're desperate. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. That's where our story is today. We're going to do a little exercise a little bit later, but we're going to talk about a woman who did the unthinkable. A woman who had tried everything. She had tried everything that she could think of. And then she did the unthinkable. In Mark chapter 5, we read, there's two stories going on. And uh, the, the story we're going to focus on is right in the middle. You see, for 12 years, for 12 years, the bleeding would not stop. For 12 years, she bled every day. In Mark 5.26, we see that this woman was desperate. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She was desperate. She went from doctor to doctor to doctor. She was desperate. She spent all of her money, everything that she had to live on, to find a cure, to find some kind of healing. She was desperate. She didn't know what else to do. She was desperate. Jesus was on his way to heal somebody. And this woman, well, she was an outcast. She was ostracized. Because in the book of Leviticus, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us, in Leviticus 15:19, that when a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of her monthly period will last seven days. And anyone 
who touches her will be unclean till evening. In Leviticus 15.25, it gets worse. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge just as in the days of her period. So you have this woman who if anyone touches her in any way for 12 years, if anyone touches her in any way, they will be ceremonially unclean for the rest of the day. There was a whole process of going to the priest and being declared clean again and having to wash and shower and and, and bathe. and, And she couldn't touch anyone for 12 years. No touches, no hugs. Scholars speculate that she may have even had to have gotten a divorce because of her uncleanness. 12 years she had gone. From doctor to doctor to doctor. For 12 years, she had spent all of her money and everything that she had for some kind of cure, for some kind of hope. She was desperate. Like I said, Jesus was on his way somewhere. She had heard about him. She had heard about Jesus. And desperate times call for desperate measures. Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. We talked about this story way back when at the beginning of this sermon series. But Jesus had been approached by this man named Jairus, whose daughter was dying. And this is another story of desperation, for he was desperate for healing for his daughter, as any father would be with a dying daughter. And so Jairus grabs Jesus and says, Come, you have to come to my house. You've got to heal my daughter. And they make their way to his house. Large crowds are following Jesus. Everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody wanted to touch him. Everyone wanted to be around him. These large crowds are following Jesus. Everyone's you know, reaching for him and, and they're bumping into him and they're jostling him and, and there's just a mass of humanity all walking with him to go to this house. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. I can't imagine being the father. What are you doing? Somebody touched me, Jesus said. No, what do you, what, and his disciples say, what do you mean somebody touched you? Everybody is touching you. We're surrounded by people. Everybody is touching you. What do you mean somebody touched me? In Luke 8.46, Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. He just stops. In the, can you imagine being this father? Why are you stopping? My daughter is dying. What is going on? She thought that she could remain undetected. She thought that she could remain anonymous. That she could just, you know, reach out. And, and she, she said to herself, she thought to herself, in Mark 8.27, if I, 828, I, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She just reached out in in just a tiny little bit of faith and just, if I just touch his clothes, I know that I'll be healed. And she thought, I can just get in there, do it real quick, and then sneak away. And no one will ever know. Nobody will ever know at all. I can remain totally anonymous. Nobody has to know about my condition. And I can go back to living a normal life. She was desperate. Jesus stops. Who 
touched me. Jesus kept looking around in verse 32 to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She's trembling in fear. What if somebody finds out? What if they know? I'm so ashamed. I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve this. She trembles in fear. And Jesus, in loving grace, says to her, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. There are three actions that take place in the story that I want to focus on for the rest of our time. If you'll turn to page three in your bulletin, you'll find the handy-dandy outline this morning. The first action that takes place is she believes in Jesus. Believing in Jesus. It was her first step towards freedom was faith. She believed with just this tiny shred of faith that if she just touched his clothing, she could be healed and freed from her suffering. She was desperate, and yet she was so humble in her faith, and Jesus commends her for it. You know, she didn't need to believe that that Jesus could walk on water She didn't need to believe that Jesus could raise people from the dead. She just needed to believe in Jesus. And that's what she did. She just needed a little touch. She didn't need to touch his hands. She didn't need to to touch his arms or his feet. If I just touch his clothes, I will be free. I will be healed. That is desperate faith. And that is the kind of faith that she had. But you know what? The power wasn't in his clothes, the power wasn't in his touch, in the touch of his garment. The power was in her faith. The power was in her faith. It wasn't in Jesus' clothes, it wasn't in her fingers, it was in her faith. And how we need faith, how we need to believe that we can be healed, that there can be healing for those of us who are broken. You know who you are, and I know who I am, and I know the broken places in my life, and I know that you know the broken places in your life. It could be physical brokenness that you need to be healed from. It could be emotional brokenness that you need to be healed from. It could be financial brokenness. It could be spiritual brokenness, and you're sitting there going, how could a God who created the universe and who made me, how could a God who sent his only son to die for me, how could he do that? I'm so broken. And I know my pain, and I know that I need to be healed, and what can I do? We have to believe, to have faith in the one who can bring healing. It may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be emotional, it may be a relationship that's broken and it just needs to be healed. Do you believe, church? Do you believe that he can heal? Do you believe that he can bring healing to your life? Do you believe that he can bring healing to your heart? Can he bring the healing? Absolutely he can. And it starts with faith. It starts with a desperate faith, a desperate faith that cries out in the middle of the night, God, help me. God, I believe that you can heal me. 
a desperate faith that cries out at the moment, at our greatest moments of weakness, when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, when we feel like there's no hope and we're just living in despair and we don't know what to do, we cry out in faith. If I just reach out, that's the second blank on your outline, is reaching out to Jesus. Reaching out to Jesus. You see, intellectual assent is not enough. It's not enough to just say, I believe, yeah, sure, I believe that, there, that, that God exists. I believe in a man who was from Nazareth named Jesus who claimed to be the Son of God. I, I, yeah, I believe it. She reached out in faith. She reached out for Jesus. She reached out to him. Her faith caused her to do something. Her faith made her take a step. And that step of faith. You see, in the book of James, James says that even the demons believe. And they shudder. They believe that there is one God. And, and they shudder. They tremble at the fact that there is one God. The demons believe. The, the devil believes in Jesus. But he will not reach out to him. Will you reach out to Jesus? Will you reach out for him? That's the question. That's what separates it. To take that step of faith. In Joshua chapter 3, the nation of Israel was at the the banks of the Jordan River. And the priests were going to cross over. And God said, step into the water. And the waters will part. They didn't stand there waiting. Okay, whenever the waters part, then we'll cross. Jesus said, or God told them, get your feet wet and the waters will part. They had to take that step of faith, that if I put my feet in the water, the water's going to part. Peter had to take a step of faith to walk on the water uh, on the Sea of Galilee. He had to take a step of faith. He had to get out of the boat if he was going to take that adventure of walking on the water. To take that adventure of faith, he had to get out of the boat and get onto the water before he could walk on the water. Thomas, Thomas had to see Jesus. It wasn't enough to just hear it. He had to see and reach out. Jesus told him, put your, put your fingers in my hands. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Reach out for me. Reach out to me, Jesus said. Reach out to the one who reached out to us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God reached out to us. And now we reach out for him. He is the one who reached out to us and said, I will restore you. I will redeem you. I will forgive you. I will return you to a right relationship with me. Reach out. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8, James wrote, come near to God and he will come near to you. How we need to feel his presence. How we need to feel his spirit in our lives. How we need to have him come near to us. Do you need God near to you? I know I do. Every day. I'm longing for His presence in my life. I'm desperate for His presence in my life. I'm desperate. I want to reach out to Him each day. And on the days that I don't, those are the worst days of my life. I need to reach out. And in those desperate moments, I find that when I reach out to Him, He reaches back. He reaches back. God will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Bible tells us that he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That he will always be there with you. And if you reach out to him, he will reach back and he will will bring that healing that comes by faith. He will never leave you.
He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. For He loves you. He loves you with a deep, passionate love. A deep, compassionate love. As a father loves his children, so he loves you. And so we put our faith, we reach out in faith by praying. We reach out in trust by giving. We reach out in hope by taking communion each Sunday. And we're reminded of that hope that we have. And he reaches back. And he gives us that hope. And he gives us that faith. And he gives us that trust. Are you desperate? Are you desperate enough to reach out? Or do you just want to sit back and go, it's all right, I, I believe it's, it's, you know, I'll deal with this on my own. I'll take care of this by myself. I can do this. I, I got this. No. When you're desperate, you reach out. When you're desperate, you reach out. Lastly, she believed in Jesus. She reached out for Jesus. And then she was trembling before Jesus. By reaching out to him and touching him, she, she risked making him unclean. She was breaking social and religious custom. Many teachers of Jesus' day wouldn't even go near a woman for fear that she might be unclean and at the risk of making themselves unclean. They wouldn't even... And so here you have this woman who is unclean, breaking social and religious custom. And just trying to do it anonymously, just trying to, to reach out and, okay, I'm good, I'm, I'm healed. The joy in her heart must have been uncontainable as she felt immediately that she had been healed. Immediately, the Bible says, she had been healed. Immediately, she felt free. Immediately, she felt whole. And then Jesus stops. As she tries to sneak away, Jesus stops and everyone stops. Busted. Now what? How did she feel? Unworthy? How many of you have ever felt unworthy? Maybe every day. I know I do. Unworthy of God's love, unworthy of his blessings, unworthy of his forgiveness, unworthy of his healing. I don't even want to bother God. I don't even want to go to him with this. It's so petty. It's so minor. It's just a little thing. There's no little thing to God. If he knows the number of hairs on your head, there is no little thing to God. If he knows when a sparrow falls from the sky, a worthless, meaningless, tiny little sparrow bird, it matters to God, you and all of your things and all of your stuff that you try and stick in that little box, and it doesn't really matter to God. It matters to God because you matter to God. You matter to God enough that He said, I will send my Son to die for you. We are worse than ceremonially unclean. We are worse than ceremonially unclean. We are sinners and we have, we have turned against Him and we deserve death and an eternity separated from God. And But what do we discover? We discover something different. We discover in the eyes of Jesus the love that a father has for his children. We discover in the eyes of Jesus compassion and pity and love and forgiveness and healing. We expect 
We expect, we expect to be berated. We expect to be uh, chastised. We expect to be tossed away and, and thrown out. And yet He welcomes us. We're like the son in the, in the parable Jesus told of the prodigal son. We expect to be told, okay, yeah, you can come home, all right, but, but you're going to live with the servants and uh, I'll pay you a me- I'll, I'll, I'll feed you. But you've got to stay over there and I really don't want anything to do with you. I'll let you in a little bit. And what do we find instead? We find hugs and we find celebrations that when we come home, when we say, I'm tired of my wandering, I'm tired of, of walking away, I'm tired of trying to do things on my own, and in desperation we reach out for him, we find that he doesn't just reach out with a little touch, he reaches out with an embrace. And he grabs you and says, my child, welcome home. I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm so glad that you're home. We tremble in fear. We tremble in fear that God is, is angry with us and He's so mad at us and He's so disappointed in us and, and we're, we expect the worst. What's going to happen? The shoe's going to drop. And then our fear melts away in, in the embrace, in the loving embrace of God. And our fear melts away and we tremble for a different reason. Have you ever been so excited that you were like shaking? Have you ever been so thankful that you just shook and when God says my child you're forgiven my child you are free my child you are healed we tremble in gratitude we tremble before him and say thank you thank you God we don't have to be terrified of him he is God we should be we should tremble in reverential fear before him we should He is God. He is the creator of all. He is the Holy One. And we should tremble before Him, but not because He's out to get us, not because He's angry with us, not because He's going to smite us extra hard today, because He is worthy of reverence and fear and respect and love and worship. He is our judge, but He is also our Savior. He is our judge, but He is also our Savior the one who sent his one and only son that we might be free and forgiven and healed. We may tremble with feelings of unworthiness, but God, God thought that we were worthy enough of his only son. I was telling you about a little card on our bulletin board in the office. I've I've passed by it hundreds of times and every time I look at it, I feel a strange sense of comfort from it. I pass by this card and I read this card. This phrase on this card, so powerful, poetic, and poignant. When you reach the end of your rope, you will find the hem of his garment. How many of you are at the end of your rope? Are you at the end of your rope? Don't know what to do? desperately crying out to God for healing, desperately crying out to God for salvation, desperately crying out to God for forgiveness. Are you ready to take a step of faith? Tony and Letty and I have these little, what I'm calling faith cloths. Now, there's nothing magic, all right? Bev Gauthier donated the, uh, the fabric and Sue Langer cut them all out and stamped them. It's just a little piece of cloth. It says, have faith. 
It hasn't been prayed over by a televangelist. It's not magic. Putting it in your pocket or your purse won't give you a million dollars next week. If it does, you better tithe it. (laughs) It's just a little piece of fabric. It's kind of a reminder, just a a little bit of a remembrance. Like, you know, we take communion every Sunday. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. I want you to take one of these in remembrance of today's sermon. And when you feel those moments of desperation, when you feel like you just can't go on, I want you to find this. And I want you to reach out in faith and just hold it. What did that feel like? When she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, when she reached out in faith, what did that feel like? may have felt something like this. We're not going to bring them to you. How desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to get out of your seat and come grab one? Uh, Mike's going to play some music. Letty has some. Tony has some. And I have some. Now, if it's impossible, if it's physically impossible for you to get out of your seat and to come get one of these, I'm going to have Brandon bring one to you. But if you can move, if you can walk, we want you to come get one today.
conversations on the phone. Have faith. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the story, for including this story in your word of this desperate woman who needed a healing touch. And I pray that you would remind us of this story through these little faith cloths that, that when we're at those moments of desperation and we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go, we don't know where to turn, that we can turn to you. There's no magic in the cloth. There's no magic in her fingers. The magic is, there's no magic at all. It's the power of faith. And I pray that you would fill us with faith today to trust, to believe, to hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.